from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. You know, those who say, well, you know, slavery was legal and we should not um, criticize him for being a slaveholder. I, I disagree with that because not everyone was a slaveholder and slavery was being resisted in Jefferson's time. Um, but we do have to look at even his being a slaveholder within the context. A lot of times we don't want to deal with complexities. Sometimes people say, why didn't you do this 20 years ago? Why didn't you do it 50 years ago? The answer is we should have, um, but we're doing it now and I think that's what's most important. I'm Sarah Fenske. Since 1913, a statue of Thomas Jefferson has graced the lobby of the Missouri History Museum. The nine-foot statue was the nation's first public memorial to its third president. But now the statue's longtime home is being modified with the addition of some educational panels. And joining us now to explain why and share about some of the context they'll add is Priscilla Dowden-White. She is an associate professor of history at the University of Missouri-St. Louis, and she served on the Jefferson Statue Reinterpretation. Interpretation Committee. So Priscilla, welcome. Good afternoon. Thank you. And we're also joined today by Jody Sowell. He is the Managing Director of Public History at the Missouri Historical Society, which runs the Missouri History Museum. Jody, welcome. Thank you. Always good to see you. So Jody, give us some history on this statue. How did a museum in St. Louis end up with the first public uh, memorial to Thomas Jefferson? Sure. So as you said, the memorial was started on April 30th, 1913. So we're almost on an anniversary. Um, and the statue was just as much a memorial to the World's Fair as it was to Thomas Jefferson. So the Missouri History Museum sits at one of the entrances to the fair. The fair was, of course, the Louisiana Purchase Exposition. Mm -hmm. Thomas Jefferson oversaw the Louisiana Purchase. So both to celebrate the success of the World's Fair and to celebrate Thomas Jefferson uh, on April 30th, 1913, they unveiled the statue. Okay, so this statue has been there a long time, long time. Um, and hasn't been much controversy over this statue, but in recent years, Jefferson has seen some controversy. Uh, Priscilla, professor of history, I got to turn to you on this. What have been some of the main things that have made some Americans take a big step back and, and reassess what was once one of our most beloved founding fathers? Well, I think he's still one of our most beloved founding fathers, but we have finally... I think more so than any point in the history of this nation come to terms with the complexities of Thomas Jefferson. Um, the, 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 the controversy, which we are, of course, navigating through now is the fact that we've always known he was a complex mm -hmm. figure, um, but the fact that he was a slaveholder who owned more than 600 slaves in his during his slaveholding career and and the problem that that presents for viewing him as this symbol of freedom of free speech um, uh, and all of the other all of the other aspects of 
of what he represents that points to the the role of freedom and democracy in our founding and in who we are. So mm-hmm. that contradiction um, is is what is is at the heart of um, the controversies around him. Um, but of course, those that 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 contra- that contradiction uh, between slavery and freedom, not only um, in in his era, but the contradiction that still and the tension that still exists for us in in our society as we attempt to make our democracy real yeah. and what that that means. Um, I can't think of a better illustration of a historical figure than Thomas Jefferson to serve as a point of departure into that larger conversation. Yeah, so you are not coming at this from the perspective of saying, tear down this statue, let's talk no more about Jefferson. You're saying, let's talk more about Jefferson. Well, absolutely, absolutely. There are some statues that I (laughs) have clearly felt need to go. But Jefferson, for me, is not one of those those statues. I mean, when we talk about um, the Confederate statues, for example, Mm -hmm. there is a clear rationale uh, from my perspective of why those statues need to go. Um, They do not they do not even represent what many people think they represent um, in in honoring uh, some particular aspects of our past that have to do with the Civil War. Most of these Confederate statues were actually um, were actually created uh, far beyond the Civil War and and in the the twentieth century in the context of the 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 gains that were being made and the pushback to the resistance to the civil rights um, movement of the 1950s and 60s uh, many were actually were actually erected during that period and some earlier in in the 20th century so they represent um, not so much those Confederate statues represent not so much um, an identification with that history of the Civil War, but resistance to mm-hmm. to our progress toward that fuller democracy. Mm-hmm. And that is not that's not Jefferson's story. Clearly, clearly his story is complex and he needs to be held accountable um, for the decisions that he made. You know, those who say, well, you know, slavery was legal and we should not we should not um, criticize him for being a slaveholder. I I disagree with that because not everyone was a slaveholder and slavery was being resisted in Jefferson's time. Um, but we do have to look at even his being a slaveholder within the context of his time um, and uh, the fact that, you know, he was not a traitor 
to this nation is very important to me. <laughs> that is very important, yeah. And I think Priscilla hits on an important point, which is about telling this history and telling these stories. When those monuments, whether they be Confederate monuments or monuments to Jefferson that have been taken down, like in the New York City Council Chambers, what people have argued is that those monuments should be taken to museums where they can be interpreted, where people can learn this history, where people can explore when they came up and what these contradictions are. In the case of the Missouri History Museum, we already had the statue in the museum, we just didn't have the interpretation. And so that's what's being added now so that people really can wrestle, in this case, with Jefferson and all of his complexity. And and Jody, did this follow um, an effort of people to say, hey, you guys need to do this? Or was this the museum being proactive as as you saw this, you know, these debates happening elsewhere? This was something that the museum has talked about for a long time. And we have certainly interpreted Jefferson and all his complexity in programs and exhibits. We had an exhibit, I think, in 2013 called Slavery at Jefferson's Monticello, a great exhibit that came to us from Monticello. They said, by the way, just two decades earlier, people wouldn't have been ready for this story. So so it's certainly in the air. People are talking about monuments more. But we've we've talked about Jefferson this way in a long time for a long time. We've just actually left one of the biggest objects in our collection, the statue itself, uninterpreted. So uh, sometimes people say, why didn't you do this 20 years ago? Why didn't you do it 50 years ago? The answer is we should have, um, but we're doing it now. And I think that's what's most important. So you added these interpretive panels. And while these are not, you know, as far as museums go, this is nothing um, outside of the ordinary. You wouldn't look at these panels and go, wow, I can't believe they put panels next to this statue. The process of deciding what exactly should go on these panels. This was not something that somebody just typed up on Microsoft Word and that was that. Exactly. I said it was easy to know that we should put panels. It was hard to know exactly what to put. And so the process took um, close to two years. We went through many drafts. We had more than 100 reviewers between historians on our staff, historians like Priscilla on this advisory board, a member of the Osage Nation. Uh, We even had our Teens Make History High School Academy look at them to make sure they were working for young audiences. So, you know, I tell people some early drafts were way too long. We tried to Mm -hmm. pack everything in. And then we had to carve away at it like you would for a statue uh, to get to those labels that are clear and concise that really draw on direct quotes from Jefferson and contemporaries and scholars. And that what I'm most proud of really ask questions directly of visitors getting them to enter into that discussion and debate. So Priscilla, that is a real challenge, just trying to be concise with something so complicated. You know, you could easily teach an entire class just on these issues covered in these panels. Um, Was there a lot of push-pull as the committee tried to decide how to phrase things and what to fit in? Absolutely. I think the, the entire process of dialogue Um, around uh, the labels and what should be included also reflected some of the controversy that, you know, is inherent in, 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 in studying and dealing with, with Thomas Jefferson. Mm -hmm. So um, it, 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 it's been a really, for me, and I, I won't try to speak for everyone, but I I think that it's been a rewarding experience in a number of ways for perhaps everyone who um, has been on a, a part of this this process. Um, 
you know, it, it it's it's been an honor uh, for me to to be a part of this this process. Not only to share in um, the dialogue and wrestling with um, wrestling with what should should be included in these labels from an academic's point of of view, but as Jody said, there have been so many different people. Uh, from various uh, communities and walks of life that have been a part of this. And I think that that's so important because that's the way it should be. You know, our history, I'm an academic historian, but I understand that the work that I do as an academic historian, I'm not just doing it for academicians. You know, this we are we are participating in a process um, that uh, that that belongs to all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's one of the most exciting things to me about what labeling, what this process of of, of focusing on Thomas, the Ch- Thomas Jefferson statue and creating the labels and now the public will be able to come and engage that information. And this is something that will go on over time. And that is such an important process for us um, as the public, as a community. And we should mention the public is really invited uh, to this. The Missouri History Museum is hosting a panel discussion. This is called Rethinking Monuments and Memorials. This is happening this Thursday, April 28th. The events begin at 530. The panel discussion begins in the Lee Auditorium at 630. People can weigh in on whether or not they they agree with what you did. Absolutely. And they are also going to learn that so many St. Louis organizations are wrestling with these issues. So you're going to hear about the Columbus statue in Tower Grove Park. Mm -hmm. You're going to hear about a new memorial to Mill Creek Valley. And then at that 5.30 sort of happy hour time, you're going to have resource tables for more than 20 St. Louis organizations that are thinking through these issues of how they memorialize history. It's it's not just happening with us in Jefferson. It's happening across St. Louis. Interesting. What an interesting process. And for people who feel strongly about these things, it's the perfect chance to weigh in. Priscilla, I think about your students. And, and part of what I admire about the generation that are younger than my own is that they're not always content with this is just the way things are and the way that things Mm -hmm. have to be. I wonder if they react to Jefferson differently in your classes than maybe students did 10 years ago. You know, that's that's an interesting question. And I find that today, you know, in this moment, students are far more open to really – wrestling with who Thomas Jefferson was, particularly in light of the fact that their generation, they are a part of these movements that have, you know, brought these issues around the statues, the monuments Mm -hmm. to the forefront. So from that perspective, they're excited to talk about this. Now, sometimes they are... um, surprised uh, at my view of Thomas Jefferson because they expect some students really expect for for me to 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 say, oh well, you know, Jefferson because he was a slaveholder, this made him a bad person, and you know he's the worst person in the world, and so why why do we need to even consider 
um, anything else about him uh, until I start to really talk about um, who Jefferson was in, you know, in his fullness. Mm -hmm. And again, as I said, I cannot think of a better illustration for us to engage uh, the complexities, not only of history, but today. And, you know, a lot of times we don't want to deal with complexities. We just want to deal with the sound bites. And Thomas Jefferson won't allow us to do that. Yeah. And it sounds like you you continue to take some inspiration from his words, even though even though he did not live up to these words. Absolutely. And that's that's part of why you're not wanting to to chuck this legacy aside. Absolutely. Because because we are still as a society, as a nation, trying to live up to those words that all people, all men were created equal, you know, and, and what that means, um, what that means in, 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 in practice, in full citizenship rights, in viewing people's full humanity. We are, we're not there yet. Yeah. You know, we're a work in progress, just as Jefferson was in his time. So this this statue, uh, the work in process uh, was these panels. Do you feel like you got them to the place where these are going to stand? This is this is going to work for another a hundred years. Absolutely, and you know, uh, one of Priscilla and I's favorite uh, historians, Annette Gordon Reed, talks about that maybe. Understanding those paradoxes of Jefferson is what being an American is really about. And I would say that's true of all history, is wrestling with history and all its contradictions and all its complexity is what makes history so interesting and so important. And that's why I'm so proud of these labels, that you will be able to do that. And for those people who want to look at them but maybe can't go to the Missouri History Museum, if you go to mohistory.org Jefferson, you'll see the labels, Q&As, blog posts, additional reading resources. We really want this conversation to continue. We'll get a link to that on our website. That's stlonair.show, so people can easily check that out and, and again, lend their voice to this conversation that's happening. Jody, I'm wondering, uh, in our final minute here, as you're sort of looking ahead, uh, do you see other things in the museum that at this point are ripe for some sort of, um, you know, panel that digs into things that to acknowledge those complexities as you guys have done here? Absolutely. So, and we do that with every exhibit that we do, whether it be about music history or women's history, or we will be doing a new World's Fair exhibit in the coming years that will certainly wrestle with that complexity in different ways. And so we're always looking for new ways to engage audiences and to bring them into those discussion. So absolutely. So this is just kind of an ongoing part of the job for you guys. It's the great part of public history and why we love museums so much. This episode was produced by Alex Hoyer with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.